Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and aren't afraid of getting super messy with it. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and in the trenches of the parenting journey with my own two teenagers. Each week, I come at you with a solo show or an interview. You can be sure that the guests on the podcast have something important to say, and I am honored to have you listen in as I pick their brains about what it is that they are passionate about. If you are a parent looking to grow while walking the path of parenting, if you're open to learning new things, if your relationship with yourself and your kids is something you are interested in diving deeper into, then this is the place for you. After you listen, I would love to hear from you. Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, letting others know what you love about the show. Or feel free to shoot me an email at casey at joyfulcourage.com. I love hearing from listeners and am always quick to respond. If you want to be sure not to miss any of the happenings going on with Joyful Courage, join my list. You'll stay updated on the podcast and events that are happening for parents, both online and live. You can join the list at www.joyfulcourage.com slash join. Yay. So glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, listeners. I am so glad that you are here. My guest today is Bracha Kopstick. Braha is a registered dietitian specializing in adolescent nutrition. She helps parents feel calm and confident with raising adolescents to have a positive relationship with food and their body. There's a lot of contradictory information about feeding kids. Braha clarifies and educates parents so that they can raise adolescents with a positive food relationship without the shame and guilt. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Hi, Braha. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. Well, will you please share a little bit about your journey of doing what you do? Yeah. So basically, as an adolescent, I gained weight as adolescents do as part of puberty. Um, and I just quote, you know, so to speak, knew that I was fat, but my parents didn't really make any big deal about it. They let me continue eating the same food that everyone else in the family was eating. And I was doing the activity that I enjoyed doing. And it really was like a non-issue. And I just grew up being fine in my body, you know, just feeling good about where I was. Um, As I got older, though, I realized that I was the odd one out, that people, my friends were not being raised this way. And then seeing friends and families kind of fall into both dieting and eating disorders, I felt helpless and I knew that I wanted to help them have that same experience that I had had growing up. And working with adolescents is just my favorite thing to do. I, I love <laughs> adolescents and, and really helping them have that same experience of living in a body they feel comfortable living in is, is something that I'm so passionate about doing. Yeah. Well, and as I prepared for this interview, cause I, I mean, my experience growing up, I grew up in Southern California at the beach in a bikini, looking around, comparing my, I mean, I don't know when I started comparing myself to other people, but mm-hmm. I know that it happened really early on. And plus I was watching my own mom, um, kind of have her experience with her body. And there was like this overarching, I mean, it, I don't remember it being super explicit focus on the body, but it just kind of was always there. And it started, you know, it wasn't so much body, but it might've been like what I was wearing or how quote put together I was. But I remember feeling, and still, I mean, remember, I know like daily I'm, I'm continuing continuously, like looking at my body and looking at the places, which I'm going to get into in a little bit where I'd like to shed a few pounds. And so as I prepare for this interview, I I really struggled to know where to start. I dove into your website. I loved everything 
that you've written about food and nutrition and body image. And um, personally, in our family, we've had a pretty steep learning curve um, learning about eating disorders over the last six months. And, you know, I think my listeners, if they listened to the, I did a mental health mini summit a few months ago and I had someone ex- come on it to explicitly talk about eating disorders. Um, and, you know, it's not the after school special that we were all raised with. It's dynamic and it's deep and it's devastating. Um, and it feel, and now, you know, it's kind of like, I'm going to buy a red car. And then you see red cars everywhere. It felt (laughs) like the more that I learned about it, the more that I saw it everywhere, whether it was distorted eating or Mm -hmm. eating disorders. And it just, it feels like such an important topic. And, you know, and it also feels like there's landmines everywhere. I mean, whether it's the images that we're seeing in media just the messaging is everywhere around body image and diet culture. What are you seeing in your work with the adolescents that you work with? Well, like you're saying it, the messaging is everywhere and starting at a younger age that kids are becoming aware of this distortion and trying to live up to what they're seeing. And I think that it's social media plays a role in this, but there's Mm -hmm. also kids TV shows and the things they're watching and the people they see and look up to. There's just so, like you're saying, it's so prevalent and the kids are getting younger and younger to to see these messages. Yeah. And it's simple things, right? Like it's the cute skinny girls that are the stars of the show. And then they Mm -hmm. have, you know, a different sized bodied sidekick who are kind of the goofy sidekick. And um, we see that with people of color characters too, and how everybody kind of, you know, the roles that are valued versus who the sidekicks are. Um, Yeah. And like, just thinking about some of the shows that my kids have watched over the years, I definitely see that. So you talk about, and I mentioned this in the bio, that there is a lot of contradictory information out there. And so when, so yes, there's all this messaging, right? There's how we model, you know, our own angst Mm -hmm. around, you know, how we've kind of gotten when we meaning me and any other parents out there that are listening who know that, yeah, they, we've kind of gotten pulled into this messaging as well. And then, you know, I'm thinking back to when the kids were younger toddlers and schoolagers. And I felt like, um, you know, I, I, there was so much information, right? Do we let them graze? Do we not let them graze? Do we make them take a, you know, a a no thank you bite. Do we not make them do that? How do we get them to try new foods when they're on a food strike or whatever? You know, there's so much. And so what are the myths that you want to bust here in the, in our interview? What are, what are some things that you can tell parents around how we could be navigating this in a, in a healthier way? So one of the biggest things I see is about weight gain in puberty and Mm -hmm parents get scared. You know, they, they see their kids starting to gain weight at as young as nine or 10 and their doctors will tell them, you know, this is something that we need to start addressing. But what I see is this is actually part of puberty. The kids are starting to gain weight Mm -hmm. in their journey to adulthood. And not only is it not something to be afraid of, but this is, this is, necessary weight gain. And I I really wish that parents would recognize that this is something that is so necessary and can accept that weight as not something negative, but as something as part of just growing and development. Yeah. Does the weight show up quicker than the height? So that's the thing. It really varies from, from child to child that some kids will shoot up and then they'll gain weight. Mm -hmm. Some kids do it both at the same time and other ones will gain the weight first before getting taller. I think probably girls especially have their weight gain first before shooting Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And so how do parents know? I mean, because I'm thinking about what you're saying and it makes sense. And I'm also thinking about kind of this little voice in my head that's like, yeah, but what about when it's not healthy? 
<laughs> you know, like yeah. I know we all want to go there, right? It's like, well, yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, but we don't want, you know, there's this interesting obsession that I think our culture has with obesity. Yeah. Um, and we're afraid and we're afraid that they're going to be at a place that's unhealthy. And even as I say that, I'm also thinking to myself, right. And so we freak out and mm-hmm. we add to the stress and the pain of our kids being adolescents and just being in their body. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it's so much of exactly what you're saying that the weight gain comes along with all that angst of, do I look different than my friend or am I doing the right thing? Should I be looking this way? And having parents adding to that with that concern of, you know, maybe you should limit what you're eating or maybe you should start getting Mm -hmm. more active isn't helpful. Right. Right. And so like what you mentioned, what your experience was, is that, you know, you had some weight gain in adolescence and nobody, you know, it was just, it was just kind of folded into what, your healthy development and nothing mm-hmm. changed as far as how your parents fed you or encouraged you, you know, to move and to be active. And so, um, I loved looking, like I said, I loved looking through your blog and you had so many, you have so many great articles and listeners. I really encourage you to get on Bracha's website and we'll tell you what that is in a little bit and read some of the blog posts because it's just so useful. And of course, having a 14 and a 17 year old, I feel like, I don't know that I feel like I missed the boat. I feel like I was on the boat and then I don't know what happened. We kind of fell off the boat and now it feels like I'm working backwards to get back to a place that feels like meals are balanced and they're getting what they need. And so when you work with families who maybe are coming to you, just not super educated, and I'm putting myself in this, in this group, as far as the preparation of meals and like trying to keep it easy, but also um, balanced and getting them what they need. What are some stepping stones that you can share with listeners towards a more balanced food intake. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. What does a balanced meal look like? So balanced meal, you know, I've got the components that we're probably familiar with of a vegetable and a protein and a grain or carb or um, something like that. Um, I've also, sometimes I'll categorize it as having something with fat, fiber, protein, and a fun food. Mm -hmm. Um, Because really, yes, we want to have that nutritional balance, but Mm -hmm. something I talk a lot on my in my post and on my blog is about nourishing ourselves is that we're not just eating to meet our nutritional needs, but also Mm -hmm. we want to be nourishing ourselves so that we're eating for our physical, but also our emotional because we're not Mm -hmm. just like, we're not just robots that need to be oiled or fed. We there's, there's more to us and thinking that we are like a full being to feed all of that aspects of ourselves and nourishing ourselves with food that is enjoyable and tastes good is Mm -hmm. something I, I think is really important. Yeah. And so kids that are getting into the adolescent years, I think it's an awesome opportunity for them to take more ownership over what they're eating. What are your tips Mm -hmm. around like how to support them? You know, when my kids were little, they always made their lunch for school. And I had this when they were in elementary school, I had this visual. This is when I was on the boat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had this visual that said, you know, protein and a list of options. And what else was there? Like a a fruit or a vegetable and a list of options and a quote, crunchy food. So, you know, different kinds of crackers or chips Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. That, That was my little category. Um, and so, and there was other things too. I can't remember right now off the top of my head, but you know, I wanted them to pack, uh, I wanted them to nourish themselves. Right. Yeah. And to also be in the practice of packing their own lunches. So we had that great visual that was years ago. And now, especially now that I have them here at home, because we are recording during the quarantine. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't necessarily want to cook three meals, cook, quote, cook three meals a day, yeah. especially when they're 14 and 17 and have absolutely all the skills that they need to feed themselves. Yet when I check in and say, Hey, what'd you have for lunch yesterday? I heard, Oh, I had some chips and I had some popcorn and I, you know, it was just like, what? That is yeah. not a meal. Like that's not a lunch. So do you have, you know, tips for parents on how to support teens in feeding themselves in a way that is nourishing? Yeah. And I think what you said is very common is we think that adolescents are able to be independently eating and then we find out that's not the case. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm a little hypersensitive because, you know, we kind of dabbled with what we thought was an eating disorder last fall. So I know that I've, you know, I took the reins on Mm -hmm. with one of my kids and now, you know, we've come out of that. It wasn't, we've come out of that, which I realize sounds like to anybody out there that's listening that is, has a child with an eating disorder. You might be rolling your eyes at me because I recognize that full eating disorders take years to really work through. Um, I don't know that that's really where we were. I think that it was mostly an anxiety part of anxiety disorder that kind of morphed into this weird food thing, but we really, yeah. And we've we really have come to a new place, but I, but I still, it's very, it's like, I have PTSD from the fall. So I'm still very much like, what are you eating? How much did you eat? Where is it? Um, and I tend to be a little controlling anyway. So I realize that's a place for me to grow and develop. So, you know, when you're working with 
So talk a little bit more about, you know, just how do we, how do we support our teens? Like, how do we get them to get Mm -hmm. them? Even as I say that, I know that it's an invitation and I know that it's education, but how do we get them to eat well? Yeah, I think what you had when they were younger is not inappropriate to to keep Mm -hmm. with them now, reminding them of what a, a balanced and nourishing meal can look like. And yeah, that can include chips and popcorn and, you know, everything else that they want in there. Yeah. But that reminding them that there should also be something with protein in there, something that's going to keep them full for longer, something that's going to give them some of that fiber. So including a vegetable or a fruit or mm-hmm. something fat and protein and carbohydrates. So just giving them that structure while allowing them the freedom of choosing what's going to make up that component, what will be that vegetable or fruit that they're going to choose or what protein will they decide on for today? Giving them that freedom within structure. Oh, you're speaking my language, girl. (laughs) I love that. And I'm already imagining the visuals that I'm going to be putting on the fridge for breakfast and for lunch. (laughs) Oh, I love them. Yeah. Talk about why scheduling, because you have a blog post around I feel like I read this in one of your blog posts around scheduled meals and why it's important, especially like I said, right now, everything feels very, at least at my house, I'm trying not to be rigid. Um, it feels very loose and including like when the kids are getting up and when they're going to bed and how that plays into when we're, when they're eating. So talk a little bit about why it's important to keep a schedule as far as eating. For sure. Meals, Scheduled meals is something that I'm really big proponent for because it gives, like you said, it gives that structure for the day, uh, especially now when there is so little structure. But in general, kids really thrive on predictability and knowing when they can have, when they can expect to have food. So, yes, we're trying to help kids to develop that knowledge of themselves and to recognize their hunger and their fullness levels. But it's really helpful to have a schedule and a framework from which they can do that. So, you know, if we don't have meals, usually we'll find that kids are kind of snacking or grazing throughout Mm -hmm. the day. And or I am. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah. We'll totally do that. And and the thing with that is that even though we feel like we're eating a lot throughout the day, we're actually not ever really experiencing true hunger or true fullness because mm-hmm. we're kind of just getting like that nibbling feeling or like that kind of peckish feeling where we are kind of hungry and then we'll eat a little bit and kind of just topping off that hunger, Mm -hmm. but never getting fully hungry. Um, So we're going to just choose like the easy to easy foods, like the, the foods that are tasty and quick to satisfy us. Mm -hmm. But we're not really going for like those nutrient dense foods that our body needs. Yeah. As far as structure goes, do you kind of have a baseline, like every certain amount of hours yeah. Or, yeah, tell me, talk about that. Yeah. So for, you know, as we get kids are older, I would say generally around the, the general is every two to four hours. So when we're looking at adolescents, it's closer to three or four hours that we want mm-hmm. to be eating. So mm-hmm. it's pretty consistent when to have either meals or set times for snacks because we want, again, so we want to have that opportunity to get hungry and then come to a meal or a snack and, and get full so that we're in tune with our hunger and fullness. But then also, if we're coming to a meal hungry, we're going to push ourselves to eat something different. So maybe we don't necessarily like, you know, peas and mashed potatoes. But if I'm hungry, I might eat that more so than if I am not hungry. Do you, where do the snacks fit in? Like if we're talking two to four hours or with teens every three to four hours, does that mean like breakfast and then maybe three hours later, a little snack and then three hours later, lunch? And do you you feel like, yeah, snacks between each meal? Yeah. And I I often call snacks either um, a mini meal or Mm -hmm. even just calling all of these 
times as eating opportunities mm -hmm. so that we don't think of necessarily a snack as being a bag of chips, but mm -hmm. rather just another time when we can eat something to meet our, meet our needs. So that might be like a banana and peanut butter. Uh, that's just top of mind what I just had mm -hmm. like <laughs> an hour ago. <laughs> like it's a, a snack in my mind is something that we sit down and eat rather than just grabbing a bag of chips or mm -hmm. an apple, but it's something that's more, it's got the components of that fat, the fiber, the protein, something that's filling, something that's fun. Okay. So it's like a little mini meal. Exactly. Okay. Again, I'm thinking about the visual that I'm going to create for my kids so that they know. And then, you know, so we have brought back family meetings. Finally, mm -hmm. we kind of fell off the wagon of the family meetings, fell off the boat of that as well. Um, after, yeah, after a little time. So we have encouraged the kids to be helping to make dinner. So each of my nice. kids gets to cook a meal with each parent. And then they have a night where the two of them get to cook together. And I put cook in air quotes <laughs> and are in charge of the whole thing. So I noticed that last week when my daughter was cooking with my husband, they made a turkey um, meatloaf that was really yummy. And they were having so much fun. And then I noticed when I'm in the kitchen with either of my kids, there seems to be like some tension. I don't oh. know if it has to do with my controlling nature, probably. But what kind of tips do you have for parents who are cooking with their kids and feeling maybe like me, a little high strung about it? Yes. First of all, it's amazing that you have this set up. I love it. That's Thank you. So it's only fantastic. been a couple of weeks. I don't want everyone to listening like, oh, like, no, it's only been a couple of weeks, but we're working it out. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. Um, okay. So yeah. So first off for the younger, you know, if your kids are really young, having everything ready to go and so they can kind of just dump things into the bowl and stir mm -hmm. is really helpful so that you don't have that kind of added stress of them trying to pour the flour into the measuring cup and spilling it all over the place. Having the expectation that it's going to be a mess, it's going to take longer is really important because it, that can really, that can help with the stress and help with the anxiety. Just going in with that plan that it's mm -hmm. not going to be amazing and fast and quick and clean mm -hmm. <laughs> and to let it go. And if, if it is going to be kind of chaotic and messy, um, letting things go is, is important to yeah. make it like you're saying, like to make it more fun. And well, it was interesting when we first started, I'm just going to share a little story for the listeners. When we first started, it was you were going to let the kids take the lead once a week and everybody's going to, and so I was like, what do you want to make? And I got the ingredients and, um, one of my kids wanted to make like this tofu. Yeah, it was really good. It was like this Chinese dish, but she had never made it before. She doesn't have a lot of cooking experience. And then when it came time for that night, I said, do you want, you know, how do you want me to help you? And she's like, no, 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 I don't want your help. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'm, I'm over here if you need me. And it quickly became super overwhelming. Things were burnt. It was taking too long and she totally fell apart. And I got to talk to her about like, oh, this is, you know, this, of course it feels like this. This is something totally new that you're doing. You're following a recipe that you've never made before. Like this happens. This is what learning how to cook feels like. You know, it's, it's, it's challenging. We don't really know what we're doing and what does it look like to saute tofu, you know? And so mm -hmm. then we shifted into, um, we're going to do it together. Right. And we, and that's why now a parent and a child is assigned to a meal each night. But I thought it was really interesting just to recognize, and I don't know if anyone out there has teenagers who maybe because of the dynamics really want to go into it with like, I can do this myself. I don't need your help. 
but it was a good lesson for me to recognize one, I want my kids to learn how to cook and two, they're teenagers. There's not a lot of time that they want to hang out with me. And so this is also an opportunity to connect. And I love what you're saying about letting go because I know for me in all domains of parenting, it's one long opportunity to learn how to let go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no better place than trying to cook a meal and to feel your feelings and to notice like, oh, I really want you to, to use this spatula in a different way, which sounds really hilarious when I say it out loud, (laughs) but it's so true. I'm like, there's a much more effective way to move things around the frying pan than what you're doing. But you know how we say that matters, right? And it's always really obvious when it lands poorly, at least with my kids. And I get to like recognize that and, and just recognize too, that I'm what I'm attached to and what I can let go of. So thanks for that. Do you have resources as far as like, um, recipes and like, what do you have? Tell us about what you have available for parents that are going to support us with all of this. Yeah. So on my website, I have some recipes. They're all pretty simple. Don't use any fancy ingredients or fancy techniques. I, I'm myself, I'm not a very, uh, professional food preparer. So that actually makes me feel better (laughs) for that. (laughs) So those are the recipes I've developed or are using, simple ingredients that I have in my own home and that my family has enjoyed. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are easy to make with kids. So with your family Mm -hmm. and that take very little skill to make and very little time. Good. Well, that link will be in the show notes, everyone. So you'll be able to find Raha's website and links for some simple cooking. Um, Okay. So what I'm hearing, what I'm taking away right now is creating some structure and I'm going to, I'm actually going to create some visuals. The kids are going to totally roll their eyes, but I'm going to do it anyway and be like, remember this, bringing it back to support Mm -hmm. them. Because there is often a time where they'll say to me, like, what can I eat? Which is my, oh, I hate that question. It's like, what do you mean? What can you eat? Go look at what we have. But I think it will actually be really supportive of, for them to be like, oh yeah, there's a place I can look that gives me ideas, which yeah. granted, I think that they could look in the refrigerator and get ideas, but <laughs> right. apparently but not. See, that's, <laughs> no, you know what? That, that's honestly, that is a skill to be able to see ingredients, you know, because yeah. essentially that's what's in your fridge is going to be ingredients mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be able to put that together into a meal. It's a skill. And I love that you're going to make it into a visual because yeah. that's just so great. Yeah. I'm into visuals. So doing that and carrying on with the meal prep with the kids, as well as my own work around letting go of what that looks like. Um, and starting to pay more attention t- and talk, I'm going to talk to my family about like scheduling loosely, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. My people do not need one more thing for me to be like, this is how it's going to be. But talking exactly. about, <laughs> talking about scheduling meals and giving some ballpark timing because my kids get up really late. Yeah. And that's something I'm talking to a lot about at this time is that if scheduling is going to make you something more stressed, like don't make it that you're eating at 1230 until 1245 or, you know, like don't make it etched in stone. It's have like a general idea of how your meals would like to be progressing Mm -hmm. throughout the day. And, and as much as possible, stick with that within, you know, like 30, 30 minutes or so. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit, because I do want to come circle back around to the body image piece. This piece Mm -hmm. feels very much out of our control, our meaning parents, well, and humans, because we're all, we're all victim to, you know, what the messages are out there. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about just the media that's coming at our kids, even at a really young age. So, and I, and I'm wondering if there's others out there because, so I'm, mom, I would love, I've got about 15 or 20 extra pounds that I would like to get rid of. And, you know, even as I I feel super vulnerable saying that out loud in the context of this conversation, because I'm also super sensitive about not wanting to bring diet culture into the house, 
Mm-hmm. Um, although again, full transparency, my kids have heard and seen me do the whole 30 and take certain things out of my diet. Like it's already, I've already exposed myself. Um, so as a parent who might, and like, I don't know, like my head's spinning right now too, you know, on one hand, you know, body love and I love my body and I don't think I'm hung up on my, you know, on body image stuff. And I know that I want to lose like 15 pounds. So how can we, how are we, how can we be with that while also being a really good example to our, our teenagers? When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Mm-hmm. might be struggling with body image. Like it feels very complicated. Yeah. And exactly what you're saying, like body image and feeling positive about our body is it's pretty opposite of dieting and, and wanting to change our body. Yeah. Can we love our body and want to lose 10 pounds at the same time? Can we do both? <laughs> that thing? <laughs> You know, I, I, yeah. Um, you know, I have heard people t- discuss, discuss that mm-hmm. and, and how that is something we can do, you know, holding two dichotomous ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think as far as, you know, as far as being modeled for our children, I don't know that those are things that they can really understand mm-hmm. and seeing their parents actively trying to change their body. Mm-hmm is not helpful not helpful no i mean we see in research that kids whose parents have negative body image does affect their own body image Mm -hmm. so you know as a parent you are their role model of how they approach their own selves Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it's tricky right like it definitely is tricky (laughs) It, it totally totally is I think, you know, if, if it is something that a parent is doing and if, if they're able to keep it on the down low, <laughs> that's the only thing that, exactly keeping it on the down low, but like excessively on the down low, mm-hmm. um, your kids should never see you with weighing yourself Yeah, meals. If you are on a diet that is affecting the way you, the foods that you're eating or you're eating differently, mm-hmm. you need to be eating the same as, as your kids yeah. at. Yeah. the meals that you're sharing with them talking about your body or talk about other bodies. Like they should not hear you talking negatively about your body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or about other people's bodies, even like working out and going to the gym. Like, do they see that you're doing that as a way of changing your body or is it a way about 
honoring your body and you feel better after you're active? Yeah, those are important questions. And it's funny as I'm listening to you and I can kind of feel the tension that you're holding right now. (laughs) And it's mirroring mine too, right? And I'm recognizing that I'm actually looking for permission to have a skewed experience with food in my body (laughs) Mm -hmm. and still be the healthy parent model that I want to be for my kids. So ultimately, like I have issues clearly, right? Like if I'm, because, and I, and I want to, I don't think I have terrible issues. Don't worry, people, I'm going to be okay. But I think that a lot of us do this, right? Like we want to be this example. We want, you know, we want to be an example for our kids and we are victims of our own body image issues and our own, like I said, like, yeah. And so like those two things really can't, like you didn't say this, but I think you wanted to, (laughs) you can let me know. Like those two things can't exist. We can't be, we can't be in our own body image issues and our own um, distorted eating while also being this healthy example for our kids. Like those two things can't exist at the same time. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's exactly true. Okay. Because yeah, it's, it comes out like no matter how much we will try to hide those issues, Mm -hmm. they will come out in small ways, you know, just in those little, for example, um, just talking about, let's say baking cookies, you know, Mm -hmm. your kids want to bake cookies and if cookies are, are a, food that isn't allowed on your diet or that you feel guilty after eating, are you really going to be okay baking cookies with your, with your family? Mm-hmm. Those types of things, those little things will, will come up in, in daily, in daily living. And especially living now in such close quarters with our kids, they, they'll pick up on everything. Yeah. Oh man. And so, so let's try, so let's turn this into really what it needs to be. Uh, for me, like for those of us that are, for parents that are listening, again, I know I'm not alone and I'm thinking like, okay, I get to really do some soul searching here. I'm already doing a 90 day yoga fix challenge, which is very mellow. It's not like crazy, sweaty kind of yoga. It's very, and I love yoga and it's a mindfulness workout for me. So I got that going on mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about like basically what I'm hearing you talk about, about food and how to create a balanced plate and how to nourish my body. Like it's really about following all the tips that you're saying, doing activities that feel because they feel good in your mm-hmm. body and not being on this mission to change what it is that you have. And even as I'm saying this, Bracha, I'm also thinking mm-hmm. to myself and side bonus, it will change my body because I'll be <laughs> Mm -hmm. See, Mm -hmm. it's amazing how entrenched we are in the mindset, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's completely everywhere in the world. Like that's exactly right. That we think that as soon as we start feeding ourselves well and, and nourishing ourselves, that's going to reflect in our weight. Yeah. And, and it might, but it might not. And that will still mean that you're, you're still have nourished your body. You still have been giving a gift to yourself, regardless of how it reflects in your appearance. Oh my gosh. So not to make this all about me, but what tips do you have? Like, and how, and maybe you do this with the adolescent kids who are showing up and have this body image stuff. Like how do we break free of this what, trap that, you know, Mm. that, you know, for someone like me, who's 46, it's, you know, it's a, it's a replay that's been happening, you know, since for the last 40 years, you know, about comparison and what I want my body to look like and how I feel about it right now. And so what are some, what are some suggestions that you have for us to break free of the hold that diet culture and, just the messages that we're getting has on us. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I really like to do is to look at our bodies, not so much as what they are or how they look, but what your body can do for you. So it's almost like a gratitude practice of recognizing what your body does. 
um, I've had people like looking at a part that maybe they're not so comfortable with, let's say like their thighs and they think their thighs are too big, but what does it mean that your thighs are so big? It means that you can, this will be for, for kids who let's say are swimmers, mm-hmm. like, well, it means that they can swim really strong and they can last longer and they're mm-hmm. able to use those muscles to swim better. Um, or maybe for another person, it's their arms and it helps them lift things up or mm-hmm. just looking at things that your body does for you, whether it's mm-hmm. gives you energy to get through the day. Yeah. I'm thinking about my belly mm-hmm. where I grew two babies. Mm, love it. I yeah. mean, come on. Is there anything more powerful that a body can do than grow humans? And yet I look at it and the first thing I think is like, meh, a little squishy, a little soft. So my declaration to you right now, Bracha, and to the rest of the listeners is every time my eyes go to that belly, I'm going to think about my superpower of birthing Mm -hmm. and growing humans. That is so powerful. (laughs) And I'm just going to do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and seeing our body as more than just those bits and pieces and because you're yeah. not just your belly or yeah all the rest of you as well yeah thank you for that and is is there any one so as we wrap up here do you have any one big takeaway that you'd like parents to get from this conversation we've kind of meandered all over the place <laughs> yeah um and, which i tend to do so mm-hmm. um but really powerful information and important information if you if there's one big takeaway that you'd like parents to get what would it be we've we've mentioned it a lot but i think really important is that it's not about the food that we're eating. Like food is food. Food is important, but food is so much more than just nutrition. It's about relationship and, and the relationship with parents and parents play such a big role in how kids think about food and how they think about their body. And I, I really wish that parents recognize their role in helping Mm -hmm. their kids find peace with food and and their bodies and to be able to eat without like i said way at the beginning um to be able to eat without feeling that guilt and that shame that diet culture mm-hmm. wants us to be feeling yeah well and hopefully my sharing was helpful for you listeners too because i think that so many of us are in that tension of knowing the model that we should be but then living inside of our own narrative around how we feel about our body. So I'm hoping that that was really useful too. In the context of all that we've discussed, what does joyful courage mean to you? I see it as like you just said right here, it's having that courage to move away from our past, moving away from the mainstream media and culture messages around food and our body and moving towards a more joyful connection Mm -hmm. uh, with ourselves, with our kids and with our bodies and food in general. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. People where can listeners find you and follow your work? So I'm on Instagram at adolescent.nutritionist. And my website is BK Nutrition, but I spell it out. So it's B-E-E-K-A-Y nutrition.com. And that's where you can find my blogs and the recipes we mentioned earlier. And you can also apply for a free discovery call if you'd like to work with me. And I'd love to work with you. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on and spending time with me. Oh, so such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. It is my great honor to create this show for all of you. Big thanks to my producer, Chris Mann at Podshaper, 
for his work in making the podcast sound oh so good. If you're interested in continuing these powerful conversations that start on the podcast, become a patron by heading to www.patreon.com slash joyful courage. That's www.patreon.com slash joyful courage. For $5 a month, you will have access to a private Facebook group where I do weekly Facebook Lives on Mondays and interview recaps on Fridays. Plus, it's a great way to give back to the show that gives you so much. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, wherever you are listening to podcasts and simply search for the Joyful Courage Podcast and hit that subscribe button. Join our communities on Facebook, the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group, and the Joyful Courage of Parents of Teens groups are both safe, supportive communities of like-minded parents walking the path with you. If you're looking for even bigger, deeper support, please consider checking out my coaching offer, www.joyfulcourage.com slash coaching is where to go to book a free explore call with me and we can see if we're a good fit. I'll be back next week. Can't wait. Until then, big love to you. Remember to find your breath, ride it into your body, take the balcony seat and trust that everything is going to be okay. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep. Oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.